Welcome to the second episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. Where do I even start this podcast? I mean, we had a wild, wild week of football in week two. And then all the madness dropped during the week with all the quarterback injuries, the quarterback benching, a big trade, a superstar requesting a trade. We'll get to all of that shortly. But first, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the inaugural episode last week. All the feedback, all the support, it is greatly appreciated. The amount of people who tune in blew me away. Thank you all. Looking back at the first episode, the fantasy segment was money. Five out of the six players that we mentioned, they went off last week. Adam Vinatieri, he was one of the five things to watch for in week two, and that ended up becoming a big topic during the week. We'll talk more about all that later on, but as I said, there is a lot to get to, so let's get started with all the latest news stories from around the league. Let's go. Let's get started here with Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville Jaguars. On Tuesday afternoon, word got out that Ramsey requested a trade out of Jacksonville after Sunday's loss to the Houston Texans. A few things about this. First of all, we all know what happened on Sunday. Ramsey and head coach Doug Marone, they got into an altercation on the sidelines. Cameras caught everything. Everyone has an opinion on it. But there's more to this than just the altercation. This might just be the cherry on top, but a lot of things have gone on before that. So let's go through all of that. Let's go back to November of 2018 when ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that there is a belief around the league that the Jaguars might consider trading Jalen Ramsey in the offseason. Now at the time, the Jaguars quickly denied the report They said, Jalen is part of our future and the report is not true. But when a report like that comes out, and especially considering who reported it, you keep that in the back of your mind. Now, two months later in December, a reporter asked Jalen Ramsey if he has any concerns about Doug Marone's job security in Jacksonville. And Ramsey responded, I ain't worried about nobody but myself. So he didn't really, you know, stick up for his coach. So there's another thing that was going on. Anyways, the season ends. Marone was not fired. He's still the head coach of the team. And here's where everything gets a bit shaky. It's OTAs and Ramsey tells reporters that the team has informed him that he will not get a contract extension this year. So he's going to play out this year of his contract without a long-term deal. After that, Ramsey did an Instagram live video with his teammate, Leonard Fournette. And in that video, he said he will not give the Jaguars any hometown discounts in his next deal. His words were that the number is going to be so ungodly. That is what Jalen Ramsey said on that Instagram live with Leonard Fournette. Then he arrived at training camp in a Brinks truck. And a few weeks later, a podcast was released with Jalen Ramsey Titans left tackle Taylor Luan, and former Titans linebacker Will Compton. And in that podcast, during the interview, Ramsey was asked which ideal landing spots would he want to be in if it wasn't in Jacksonville. 
And Ramsey, being the guy who he is, he answered the question and was honest. He said that he would want to be in Nashville, Tennessee, or with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders moved to Las Vegas next year. The Titans, they are his hometown in Tennessee. That is the team that he grew up rooting for. So the Titans and the Raiders, two teams that do not have any state income tax as well. When the Raiders move to Las Vegas, that will be the case. Same thing with Nashville, same thing with Florida and Jacksonville. But that was his reasons for saying those two teams. Anyways, week one gets here. The Jaguars, they have a new quarterback. It's Nick Foles. No more Blake Bortles. Things are looking good. And then Nick Foles gets hurt. They lose in week one. And then everything spills over in week two when Ramsey gets into it of Doug Murrow on the sideline. And then after that game, that is when his agent, David Mulagetta, he told the team that my client, Jalen Ramsey, he wants out of here. Try to trade him. Now, about the trade. Here's what's going on over here. First of all, Jalen Ramsey, he was in the same draft class as Carson Wentz, as Jared Goff, as Ezekiel Elliott. And those three guys just got big, large extensions. And specifically, Ezekiel Elliott, he held out and he ended up getting a big extension. So Jalen Ramsey could have done the same thing to the Jaguars. He is the best at his position, arguably the best at his position, right? So he could have held out and said, I'm not reporting until I get my deal. He didn't do that. He doesn't want it to be a distraction. When he spoke to reporters on Tuesday, he said this whole thing about me wanting a trade. I don't want it to be a distraction. I'm here for my teammates. As for the market for Jalen Ramsey, there's a bunch of teams that want Jalen Ramsey. That is a known thing. But the Jaguars' asking price is believed to be two first-round picks. And it doesn't look like any team has offered that yet. A few teams that would make sense for Jalen Ramsey, um, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Chargers, just to name a few, those teams would make sense. We just saw Minka Fitzpatrick. He got traded for a one earlier in the week, and more on that later. But as for Jalen Ramsey, things can change, but it does sound like both sides will eventually break up, and there will be a trade. Stay tuned on that. There is more to come. And we'll see what happens. Let's move on to some quarterbacks. A lot of quarterback news going on around the league. We'll start off with Drew Brees, the Saints quarterback. He has a right thumb injury. He had surgery. He is out roughly six weeks. It's obviously a big blow to the Saints who are set up to win right now. It will be Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill taking over. I'm not overly confident that it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater starting during this stretch without Drew Brees. I'm curious to see if Taysom Hill will get a chance to start, especially if Teddy struggles. Teddy got over $7 million guaranteed in the offseason to come back and be the backup for Drew Brees. But the last two times we've seen him play, Week 17 last year and then last week versus the Rams, he hasn't looked that good. And it really makes me wonder if the Saints are going to go with Taysom Hill as the starter at some point during this stretch. Keep in mind that Sean Payton, the head coach, he has not announced who is starting this week versus the Seahawks. That decision has not been announced yet. And when you have an offensive-minded genius like Sean Payton, who can draw up a bunch of unique-looking plays, it really does make you wonder if he'll use a guy like Taysom Hill and if he will get a chance to start 
during this stretch. And here's the other thing. Sean Payton, he has praised Taysom Hill over and over and over again on numerous occasions. Hill is an amazing athlete. He could do a little bit of everything. We've seen it. And even when Drew Brees was out there and he was playing, we saw Sean Payton call plays for Taysom Hill to throw the ball. So I want to see how this quarterback situation unfolds. I really don't think it will be just Teddy Bridgewater and he's the guy until Breeze comes back and Taysom Hill will still be used as the gadget guy. I could see a scenario where Taysom Hill gets to play quarterback and even start potentially and we will see how this situation unfolds. Let's move on to another quarterback. This quarterback is not injured but rather he was benched. I'm talking about Eli Manning. He is no longer the starting quarterback for the New York Football Giants. It is now Daniel Jones, the number six overall pick out of Duke. He will start this week versus Tampa Bay. Now, it's not a major shock that Daniel Jones is taking over. We all expected that to happen at some point. If there's any surprise here, it's the fact that it's happening this early after just two games. And it's hard to put the blame on Eli because the Giants defense is a terrible defense. They can't stop anything. And then in week two, the top wide receiver options for Eli were Benny Fowler and Cody Latimer. So it's hard to put the blame on Eli. Now listen, we'll get to Daniel Jones later on, but I want to talk about Eli Manning for a second. I'm from New York. I've been here my entire life, and I'm proud to say that I got to watch Eli all these years as the face of the franchise for the New York Giants. And it's not just Eli the player. We know about the two Super Bowls and beating Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. We all got to see the clutch game winning drives and all that. You guys could debate if he's a Hall of Famer or not. But there's one thing about Eli that we could all learn from, and that is Eli the person. A true professional on and off the field. He doesn't want the spotlight. Something small that has always caught my eye about Eli Manning is how he treats the media. No matter the situation, good or bad, after a big playoff win or after a five interception game, Eli was always there, he's always present, he's always professional, he would take his time, he would answer the questions, and without any facial expressions, we're talking about the New York media here. It's a tough market. And the Giants could not have asked for a better face of the franchise for all these years than Eli Manning. Once Eli officially calls it a career, there will be hundreds upon hundreds of stories that come out about how great of a person Eli Manning was to so many different people. For 16 years, Eli Manning represented the New York Giants with nothing but dignity and class. If last Sunday was his final start as a New York football giant, Thank you, Eli, for who you are. We will always be appreciative just for that. Alrighty, let's move on to another quarterback from the 2004 draft. It is Ben Roethlisberger. He was not benched, but rather he is seriously injured. He has an elbow injury that requires surgery, and his season is over. It will be Mason Rudolph from here on out for the 0-2 Pittsburgh Steelers. First off with Roethlisberger, he signed a massive extension in the offseason, which made him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. After the news broke that he is having season-ending surgery, he released a statement which said that he plans on honoring that contract 
and he will be back with the Steelers next year. There are no exact details on what the injury is. All we know is that it's an elbow injury, but how serious of an elbow injury is it? Is it Tommy John? We don't really know, so we'll have to find out more details later on. But as for Mason Rudolph, he looked pretty good last week versus the Seahawks. It was in a loss, but it's a good sign early on for the former third-round pick out of Oklahoma State. And the Steelers really like this kid, and they believe that he can take over for Ben and lead this team to some victories. Now, I'm not saying that because they said it and that they believe in Rudolph and whatever. I'm saying that because the Steelers made a pretty big trade on Monday night. And they traded away their first round pick in the 2020 draft to the Miami Dolphins for Minka Fitzpatrick. An 0-2 team who just lost their starting quarterback for the entire season gave up a first round pick that could be in the top 10 or even the top 5 if everything continues to go wrong. Now Minka will be 23 years old in November and the Steelers have him for multiple years. He's still on his rookie deal. This is just his second year in the NFL and he's a young player. He was not happy with the Dolphins. He was not playing he was not being used the way he wanted to be used. He's more of a free safety nickel cornerback type of a guy. Clearly Pittsburgh covets him and they wanted him and they pulled the trigger to get him. He'll join a defense with TJ Watt and Devin Bush and Joe Hayden and Cam Hayward. A lot of talent on that defense. But trading a first round pick when you just lost your quarterback and you still don't have a win after two weeks, it does feel risky a bit. And now they don't have a first round pick this year. And they also don't have their third round pick because they gave that to Denver in the Devin Bush trade on draft night. So they're limited on draft capital and it will be interesting to see how this all unfolds. As for Miami, they now have three first round picks in the upcoming draft, plus two second round picks, plus two first round picks next year, plus two second round picks next year. They also have two third round picks this year. They are absolutely loaded with draft capital. They're clearly in a full rebuild. GM Chris Greer, he spoke to reporters on Tuesday and he explained that there is a foolproof plan in place with all the picks. They can do whatever they want and they do plan on being aggressive in free agency when they're going to have a lot of cap space coming up this offseason. The Dolphins have the Cowboys this week. That will probably be another ugly game for them. One more quarterback I want to talk about here. It is Cam Newton of the Carolina Panthers. He is once again dealing with that foot injury. He aggravated it once again. He did not practice on Tuesday. He did not practice on Wednesday. He did not practice on Thursday. He is unlikely to play on Sunday versus the Cardinals. That means Kyle Allen will start on Sunday versus Arizona. And Kyle Allen, he was pretty impressive last year in Week 17 versus New Orleans. Not sure how many people got to see that game, but he was pretty good. The Panthers won that game. But back to Cam Newton for a second. The Panthers have now lost 8 straight games in which Cam Newton starts. There's something that isn't right about Cam Newton. It's just been un-Cam Newton-like out there. His passes are all over the place. In short yardage situations, they won't let him run. That's odd. The offensive play calling of North Turner has not been good. The offensive line play has not been good. It's just been pathetic. And now they're 0-2. 
Both losses are coming at home. Three out of their next four games are on the road, including a game in London. And there's a small part of me that wonders if all the injuries that are coming on with Cam Newton, if it's starting to wear him out. I don't want to assume things, but there's the shoulder and the foot and a concussion and the shoulder again. It's a lot of stuff that's going on with him. He does not look the same, and it really does make me wonder what's going to happen here. Is the foot a one-week injury? Is it going to be a two-week injury? What's going to happen? We'll see how it all unfolds, but it is something I'm keeping in the back of my mind. So now with Cam Newton out, in the last month, Andrew Luck retired, Nick Foles broke his collarbone, Ben Roethlisberger needs season-ending elbow surgery, Drew Brees is out six weeks with a thumb injury, Eli Manning was benched, Sam Darnold has mono, that is seven starting quarterbacks not playing, and week two just ended. There are 14 more weeks left in the NFL season. It's definitely not what the NFL wants. A bunch of backups are going to be out there playing. Just not what the NFL wants and not what fans want to see. The NFL is better when starting caliber quarterbacks are playing. We saw it two years ago when Aaron Rodgers was hurt, Deshaun Watson was hurt, Andrew Luck was hurt. It just made the game less exciting. Obviously, injuries are a part of the game. Don't get me wrong, but it's really been a crusher two weeks in to the NFL season. Moving on to week three and the five things that I'm watching for this week. First off, last week in the inaugural episode, I listed five things that I'm looking forward to in week two. There was Mitchell Trubisky and how he rebounds after a dreadful week one. He was not great in week two. They ended up winning that game in comeback fashion, but I do believe that if they ended up losing that game, the Mitchell Trubisky hate would be at an all-time high, but he did lead the comeback, but this is still something worth watching. The second thing that we mentioned was the Cleveland Browns. They ended up winning in Week 2 versus the Jets, but it was a sloppy victory. They got a break with the Jets missing Sam Darnold and C.J. Mosley and Quinn and Williams and other key pieces, so they got a break there and ended up winning. After the game, Odell Beckham Jr. said if he was to give a grade for the Browns' performance, he would give it a B-. So there's still a lot of work there to do with the Cleveland Browns. Then the third thing we mentioned was the Arizona-Baltimore game. We wanted to see how Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray would do. They were both fantastic. Loved what I saw with both of them. The league is in good hands with both of them leading their respective teams. The fourth thing we had was Adam Vinatieri and how he would respond after he struggled in week one. Well, he still struggled. He missed two extra points in that game versus Tennessee. The Colts ended up winning. After that game, there were talks and people were talking about if Adam Vinatieri would retire. He is not. He is going to be the kicker for week three versus Atlanta. But it's worth noting that the Colts, they worked out six kickers this week including Cody Parkey. So there is some concern there with that. And then the fifth and final thing that we talked about last week was the Texans offensive line. It is still a problem. Deshaun Watson was on his back a lot last week versus the Jaguars. It is still an issue. So I was not encouraged with that. So there's still things to watch here as we go into week three. But we have five new things that I'm watching for as we enter this week. The first thing that I'll be watching for in week three 
is Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. In week one, he threw the ball just 10 times for 98 yards in a win over Atlanta. In that game, it was Dalvin Cook who led the way. But in week two, we know that you cannot throw the ball just 10 times and expect to win in the NFL. And Kirk Cousins struggled versus the Green Bay Packers in a loss. He had three turnovers, including an ugly, ugly interception late to Kevin King. Not sure exactly what he saw there, just a bad decision. And now in his career, Kirk Cousins is 5-26 versus teams with winning records. The question here is, how does he bounce back this week versus the Oakland Raiders? It's a Raiders defense that struggled last week versus Patrick Mahomes. The first thing that I'll be watching for this week is how does Kirk Cousins bounce back. We all know about his contract, the big contract that he signed. He has to live up to it, and we'll see how he does in Week 3 versus the Oakland Raiders. The second thing that I'll be watching for here in Week 3, it is Daniel Jones, the rookie quarterback for the New York Giants. We spoke about Eli Manning being benched earlier. It is Daniel Jones who will get the start this week versus Tampa Bay. The thing about Tampa Bay is that their defense is much improved compared to last year, which isn't saying much because their defense was horrific last year. But with a new defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, the former Jets head coach, we got to see some of it last week on Thursday Night Football versus the Panthers. We saw how uncomfortable Cam Newton was. Christian McCaffrey couldn't get it going. And they have some extra rest now because they got to play on Thursday Night Football. So that's one thing about Tampa Bay. But as for the New York Giants and Daniel Jones, he could make things happen with his legs which is something that Eli Manning couldn't do. It's a new era of Giants football now. There's Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. That is the young core that the Giants have built. It all gets started on Sunday versus Tampa Bay. I want to see how Daniel Jones plays in that game. The third thing that I'll be watching for in Week 3, and we're staying in the NFC East, it is the Washington Redskins who play on Monday Night Football versus the Chicago Bears. It's a tough defense they're facing against, but the thing that I'm watching for here is Case Keenum and how he plays, and if the Redskins lose, they'll be 0-3. Is it time to turn to Dwayne Haskins for Week 4 and for the rest of the season? That's what I'll be watching for in this game. And looking ahead to Week 4, the Redskins play the Giants, at MetLife Stadium, and we all know that Dwayne Haskins wanted to be in New York in the draft. He wanted to be the Giants quarterback of the future to replace Eli Manning. The Giants passed on him. They took Daniel Jones. Could we see a week four matchup of Daniel Jones versus Dwayne Haskins in New York? That would be a great matchup if Case Keenum struggles here in week three versus Chicago Bears and the team falls to 0-3, will the Redskins pull the trigger and move to Dwayne Haskins for the rest of the season. That is the third thing that I'll be watching for. The next thing that I'll be watching for in week three, and I'm shifting over to the AFC East, it is a team that is 2-0. No, not the Patriots. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. I tweeted out before the season that I really loved what GM Brandon Bean and head coach Sean McDermott are building in Buffalo. It's nothing flashy, nothing that sticks out to the average fan. But they have the players that can play, they work hard, they play hard for their coach, 
and they don't quit. It showed in week one versus the Jets when they came back from down 16-0. They have a quarterback in Josh Allen who continues to grow each and every week. Their defense, it is one of the best defenses in football. Last year, it was a top-ranked defense. This year, it's the same thing. It does not get the recognition that it deserves nationally. It's time that it does. Defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, head coach Sean McDermott, they have done a tremendous job with that side of the football. This week, it is their home opener. They have the Cincinnati Bengals. They should win that game. And after this game, that will set up a matchup in week four versus the New England Patriots against the team that everyone considers to be unbeatable. It would be in Buffalo. That is a game that I would be really excited about. I want to see the Buffalo Bills continue to roll on this week versus Cincinnati and then set up that matchup for week four. And now the fifth and final thing that I'm watching for in week three, it is something that is not a player, it is not a team, but rather it is the officiating. The refs, they have a really hard job. No one is denying that. It's a difficult job to do. But it's a serious problem right now. What happened last week with Cameron Jordan and the Saints, Bradley Chubb and the Broncos, that is just two examples. There's so many penalties in each game. It's a flag fest out there. A holding here, a holding there. It's out of control. It's inconsistent. And eventually, and you could see this from a mile away, there is going to be another major mistake made by the officials. It's affecting the outcomes of games. It's brutal to watch. We want to watch football, not the referee, over and over again. A few things that could be fixed right now. Don't blow the whistle before the play is over. That's number one. We saw that happen in New Orleans. And then ease up on all the holdings. There are so many holdings going on. I want to check on how many holdings we've had in the first two weeks. There have been 174 offensive holding penalties to start the season. That is much, much more than last year. It's an absurd number. That's just a start. But there has to be some sort of improvement with the officiating. It's getting hard to watch. Again, there's 14 more weeks left in the season. It cannot continue to go the way it has been going so far. That is the fifth and final thing that I'll be watching for this week. Is there going to be any sort of improvement with the officiating here in week three? Moving on to a segment that was really successful last week in our inaugural episode. It is the fantasy football segment. Last week, I mentioned six sleepers for fantasy football, and five of them exploded. We had Mecole Hardman, the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. He put up 16 points in ESPN standard scoring. Terry McLaurin, the Redskins wide receiver, he put up 17 points. Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback, he had 22 points. Raheem Mostert, the 49ers running back, he put up 24 points. Darren Waller, the Raiders tight end, he had 12 points in fantasy. And then the one player that did not do well, it was TJ Hawkinson, the Lions tight end. He had just one catch for seven yards, but I still do believe in him as a tight end in fantasy. I would still keep him. Keep all these guys. I really like all of them moving forward. We have five more new names for fantasy sleepers here this week. So let's get started. Here we go. First up, we have a wide receiver. 
It is Eagles wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. The Eagles are banged up at the position. They have Deshaun Jackson dealing with an abdominal strain. He is expected to miss two weeks. Alshon Jeffrey has a calf injury. We're not sure if he's going to play this week versus Detroit. Aguilar will get looks in this week's game. He had eight catches for 107 yards and a touchdown last week on Sunday Night Football versus Atlanta. Numbers-wise, he's going to put up the numbers. And remember, Aguilar is in a contract year. If he wants to get paid the big bucks, he has to take advantage of the opportunities that he has in front of him like he has right now. Nelson Aguilar is sleeper number one here in this segment. Let's stick with the wide receiver position and go with 49ers rookie Debo Samuel. He led all 49ers wide receivers in week one in snaps. And then he exploded in week two with 86 yards and a touchdown. He seems to be the top option there for Jimmy Garoppolo. And the 49ers have their home opener this week versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a pretty good matchup for Debo as Pittsburgh's defense has struggled in the passing game so far this year. Up next, we have a quarterback Many of you are probably scrambling to find a quarterback after Drew Brees went down and Brent Roethlisberger went down and Cam Newton is hurt. So here's a quarterback. If you didn't get Josh Allen last week, how about Matthew Stafford? In week one, Stafford had a pretty big game fantasy-wise. He took a step back in week two in a win over the Chargers. But this week, he has the Philadelphia Eagles defense, and the Eagles have allowed 350 passing yards and three touchdowns per game so far this year through two games. If you need a quarterback, Matthew Stafford is one to keep an eye on. Check if he's available. You could plug him in this week. Let's do a running back now. We all know it's hard to find a running back in fantasy, but let's stick in the NFC North and go with Packers running back Jamal Williams. He is the backup to Aaron Jones, but last week Williams had a receiving touchdown, and then earlier this week, head coach Matt LaFleur said that he would like to keep a good balance between Jamal and Aaron, and quote, we would like to even out the touches. If that is the case, then Jamal Williams will be involved in that offense, and he could become a hidden gem for your fantasy team down the line. I would pick him up. I would put him on my bench and see how things go in the next week or two with the Packers running game. And then lastly, if you're desperate for a tight end, Jason Witten has a touchdown in both his games so far this year. The Cowboys have the Dolphins defense this week. We all know that the Dolphins defense is terrible. It's atrocious. It stinks. If you really need a tight end, if Hunter Henry's your tight end and he's injured and you need a tight end to replace him, take Jason Witten, stick him in your lineup just for this week, and maybe, just maybe, you can get lucky and he gets you a touchdown or two versus the Dolphins' defense. Here we go with the question and answer segment on the podcast. For the first time we're doing this, on Tuesday night, I sent out a tweet asking for your questions. I was expecting all of you to reply to the tweet and send in the questions that way, but a bunch of you sent over direct messages. For the future, please just reply to the tweet. It will make it easier for all of us. Anyways, here we go 
We'll start off with a question from Jeremy. It's at just Jeremy here. He asked, should the Packers get more credit for their wins than people are giving them so far? I'm seeing a lot of people say it's just the Vikings and the Bears. The Packers should be getting a ton of credit. I love what they did in the offseason, adding Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, and then adding two more defensive pieces in the draft with Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. Jair Alexander, their first round pick last year, he is a stud. We're going to be hearing about him as a top five, top six corner in the league later on this year. I can guarantee that. This is a much better defense that deserves credit. The Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be fixed. There shouldn't be any worries about it. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. But for the first time since the Super Bowl year, the Packers have a legitimate defense with Aaron Rodgers. After that week one game versus Chicago, Aaron Rodgers spoke to reporters, had a big smile on his face, and simply said, We have a defense. We have a defense. He no longer has to carry that team on his back. He doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting. And as for the people who are saying it's just the Vikings and the Bears, before the season started, I saw a lot of people predicting the Vikings and Bears as NFC North champs. So I wouldn't really call that just the Vikings and the Bears. That is two big divisional wins. I love the direction that the Packers are going in. Next up, we have a question from Tyler who says, what is the next move for Eli Manning and the New York Giants? So we know that Eli is the backup now, but here's the thing about Eli. First of all, he has a no trade clause in his contract. So let's just say there's a team out there who calls the Giants, and I don't even know which team this will be. I can't really find a team out there who would want Eli. But let's just say the Jaguars call. They offer a fifth round pick to the Giants for Eli Manning. The Giants can't just accept that offer and ship Eli out. Eli could just say, I don't want to go to Jacksonville. Let me stay put here in New York. But knowing Eli for all these years, he is not the type of person who would request a trade, who would want to be cut. I think he is just going to stay in New York as the backup. He'll mentor Daniel Jones. That is exactly what he said he'll do when he spoke to reporters on Wednesday. As for after this season... Eli's contract is up. He will be a free agent. We'll see if he wants to continue to play. He could come back and be the backup to Daniel Jones once again. But again, that is a question for a different time. As of right now, you could expect him to stay in New York and be the backup to Daniel Jones. Next up, we have a question from Logan who says, When do the Chargers start looking for their next quarterback? There's such a good class coming in. Rivers isn't going to be here forever. I don't think we have our next franchise quarterback on the roster. So here's the thing. Phillip Rivers, he's in the final year of his contract. He did not get a long-term deal from the Chargers yet. He has not gotten one. That's not saying he won't get one or this is the final year he's there with the Chargers. I do think that Phillip has a couple more years left in the tank. He has said in the past that he will decide on his own when he feels like it's time to move on. He does have nine children. Remember, the Chargers have looked to find quarterbacks in recent years. Just this past offseason, 
they were interested in Josh Rosen when the Cardinals made him available. They were one of the teams, along with the Dolphins and the Giants, who were in the mix on draft night to get Josh Rosen. Chargers GM Tom Telesco, he doesn't get enough credit for how well he drafts. He values those draft picks, especially in the first round in recent years. In the past several years, he has done an exceptional job at drafting. If he thinks that there's a quarterback in the 2020 draft that could eventually be the successor for Phillip Rivers in a year or two, then maybe he will pull the trigger and move up and try to get that quarterback. But again, I do believe the Chargers are in a win-now mode. I think they want to build around Rivers and not use a high draft pick on his successor. Let's see how this season goes before we jump to conclusions. The Chargers are 1-1. One one. If they make the playoffs once again, I think they try to continue to build around Phillip Rivers and not use a high draft pick on a quarterback. It is early though. That is a great question. We'll see what happens. Next up, we have a question from David. He says, what do you think about the Jets' schedule coming up? Can they turn it around with Darnold coming back? So the Jets are 0-2, and they have the Patriots coming up here this week. Luke Falk is going to start at quarterback. Assuming they lose, they would fall to 0-3 as they enter their bye. Sam Darnold, he said this week that his goal is to be back for Week 5 versus Philadelphia. That is what team doctors told him. But even if he's back, and I hope they don't rush him back because mono is no joke, but even if he returns, as you said, their schedule is brutal. It's Philly in Week 5, Dallas in Week 6, New England again in Week 7. But there's more to the Jets than than just the quarterback and the schedule. Their wide receiver, Quincy Anunua, is done for the year. C.J. Mosley, he's still banged up. Jamal Adams, he seems to be frustrated with how things went on Monday night. And then Tremaine Johnson, this one blows my mind. He signed a five-year, $72.5 million deal with $45 million guaranteed in 2018. On Monday night, he wasn't even playing. He was just standing on the bench, walking around. I get it. It has not panned out. He has not been good. But it's gotten to the point where he's not even playing and just standing around on the bench. Adam Gase said on Thursday that it just hasn't worked out. What are they going to do with him and what's the plan? The guy is getting paid as a top corner in the league. It's a tough situation to be in. It's unfortunate for Jets fans who came into the year of so much hype and so much excitement. I've seen some people stick a fork in the Jets for this season. I'm not ready to go there yet. But it's going to be tough, even if Darnold comes back. You said it, the schedule is tough. Their other players are banged up. This one is frustrated. This one's not trying. And they lost both their first two games at home. That means they have eight games now on the road and just six more at home. Everything just not going right for the Jets. It's going to be really, really difficult to turn it around. Let's do one more question. I'm sorry if I didn't get to yours. There were a ton of them. But here's one more. It is from Prime Anarchy 35 He asked, out of all the 2-0 teams, which one has surprised you the most? So we have nine 2-0 teams in the NFL right now. It is the Packers, 49ers, Bills, Patriots, Rams, Seahawks, Ravens, Chiefs, and Cowboys. Now, the first three teams that came to my mind when I read that question was San Francisco, Buffalo, and Seattle. 
Now, I mentioned earlier how much I loved Buffalo coming into the season, so they weren't a real surprise for me. Like, I know they're 2-0 and some people are surprised. I really like Buffalo and I think they could be a real team this year. Then Seattle, they made the playoffs last year, so I don't know if that's considered a surprise. And then the 49ers, I like them coming into the year. But I thought they'll have a slow start, especially considering how mediocre of a preseason Jimmy Garoppolo had and how everyone questioned if he's healthy and if he's the real deal. It's good to see Jimmy Garoppolo playing. Kyle Shanahan said after Sunday's win over Cincinnati that we haven't seen the real Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Let him settle in is what Shanahan said. And the other thing about the 49ers is that they won both their games on the road. Just like Buffalo, both their wins came on the road. If they can stay healthy, and that is a big if because they've already had three significant injuries this year. They had Jerick McKinnon's done for the year with the knee injury. They have Tevin Coleman with the ankle injury. And then the big one happened last Sunday with Joe Staley, their longtime left tackle. He has a broken fibula and he's out for eight weeks. That is some big injuries, especially the Staley one. But assuming they could stay healthy, this is a team to be reckoned with. They have a pass rush, they have receivers, they have linebackers, they have an above-average secondary, and their quarterback is healthy, which is most important. I like this 49ers team. They have a real shot to compete. They're off and running with a 2-0 record. The most important thing is just stay healthy. So there it is. That wraps up the first ever question and answer segment on the My Sports Update Football Podcast. And that also wraps up the second episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. We'll do more question and answers next week and hopefully answer even more if we have the time. Also coming soon, we'll start having guests on the podcast. It is something that I've been working on over the last couple of weeks. We've had some technical difficulties, but it will be fixed very soon. That is definitely exciting. One final reminder before I sign off, you can find the My Sports Update football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. I'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy week three.